The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello again to another episode of Remembrancer's Retreat. I'm Jesse Irvin. We've got a smaller group today, but still plenty of action to talk about. Got Dave, Jason, Robbie, Will, and myself. We're going to start with uh, talking about what we've been doing. So, who wants to go first? Well, uh, I'll go first. I've been working on the Iron Hands of the Shattered Legion, and uh, I started working on the Sikram this week. Got a build, got all the acrylics done on it, and now I started working on the oils. And this is my first real work with oils, so I'm excited. I've done weathering before, but never with oils like that. So yeah, it, they're looking uh, great. They're looking really good. Thank you. Yeah, this is just the first layer of oils. I know that uh, Jason told me, "Well, that looks really clean for being a a beat up piece of military equipment." But uh, I mean, just wait, man. It'll get there. It'll get there. We still got to do pigments and more oils to do. But already, it's coming along really cool. Oh, so, yeah. tabletop ready right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I really want to do. Um, I really want to enter a piece into the Nova Open painting competition this year. And if it's a uh-huh. tank or a single hero model or something, I want. I want to put a piece of together or a piece of work together that I can submit. I know I won't win, but I would like to at least submit it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Very but cool. uh, that's me. Yeah. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll I'll go next. This is Robbie. Uh, you know, that Santa event really got me to uh, burn the midnight oil, and I painted uh, four vanquishers in one one session. Wow. <laughs> I was very pleased with the outcome, and it, it spurred me to also get started on my Valdor tank hunter. So that's about 85% done. I just got to do some objective source lighting on the, the neutron laser. And then that'll, that'll kind of cap cap the solar auxilia for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then I can just go ahead and dive right into the word bearers. Uh, just like Will, uh, I'm going to, I do want to enter into a single model painting uh, at Nova. Uh-huh. And I've chosen Argyl Tall and I've been massing up all the bits that I need. I finally got the wings. I've just got the box of raptors. I've got uh, just a couple more bits to come in the mail, and then I should be should be good to go. And I'm super excited about it. Uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much all I've got going on so far. Very cool. Very cool. Jason, what have you been up to? All right. Let's see. Finally finished up uh, enough militia that I felt like I could take a break and get back to my little passion project of Thousand Sons. Uh, my detachment are specifically third company which are the pavoni all the biomancers they're kind of my favorite uh haythor mott is kind of like my uh favorite villain or at least one of them in heresy so anywho i've been uh painting a squad of thousand sons veterans uh unlike everybody else though i haven't uh, gone for the sniper vets with asphyx shells instead i'm making a combat squad of weapon master veterans uh, scattering some power axes in there, and I am painting a biomancy librarian to go with them. 
Very cool. What makes you decided to go um, with the melee as opposed to the sniper vets? Well, I was looking at it, and as much as I love the idea of their special unit, the Kenatai Blades, they're a little inefficient. There's no real way for them to get AP2 in there with any power axes, but mm. it's really easy to get a couple in there, just 10 points for a power axe in the vets. And uh, the vets actually start out with more attacks base than the Kenatai do. Uh, combine that with the fact that vets can get a single brotherhood of psyker mastery level just like the kenatai can and they end up about a hundred points cheaper uh, in a 10-man squad even with some uh power weapons and artificer armor in there hmm. so wow. that's really uh, interesting that reminds me a lot of the sons of horse reavers are kind of in the same boat where before the legion of Stardust army book was updated Reavers were really good for, I think, that three-month period. They were much better than veterans. But then they redid veterans and gave them all new rules and changed their points around to where now veterans, I think, the general consensus is for Sons of Horus players is that veterans are the better take over the Sons of Horus. So veterans are just an all-around good addition to any army, I feel. They really are a diverse unit. Especially in the Sons of Horus, uh, Death Dealers is such a potent rule for that plus one ballistic skill at 12 inches or less. And Reavers don't take a whole lot of advantage of that. Bolt pistols, maybe. But yeah, Marksman Vets or uh, Combi Melta Vets out of a pod with some, mm-hmm. uh, you know, into some armor with machine killers. That takes a really good advantage. I don't know. I don't know. The Reavers, get they can get the Volkites. So that plus one to hit with Volkite and then being able to charge right after, especially if you're taking like jump packs. That, I, I can kind of see that being something that's, that's completely different than looking at what the marksman get, but I totally agree. The blade occult totally, they, there's no way it shines as long as there's marksman. Cause you can get, cause I was looking at it today, you know, uh, marksman and weapon masters, that squads are where it's at for real. Biggest thing too, over the Kenatai blade cabal Veterans can still score. Yeah, that is huge. And people, I mean, if you're new, that doesn't sound like much, right? They can score, so what? But then you realize, like, oh, wait, only troops can score. And Blackwell Advance can score. So, like, there have been plenty of games where you might just have that, that one scoring unit left, and that's what wins you the game. You know, so you need all the scoring you can get in your list in whatever form you can take it. Yeah, that's, it, can be a, it can be a real big deal, especially in the uh, missions that we have in Age of Darkness. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, how about yourself? What have you been up to? Yeah. So, uh, so you guys, I think, I think I talked about this last podcast, but uh, I've been working on this uh, Solar Auxilia uh, list with uh, Dave Sampson from Black Label Painting, and uh, we're we're just going um, full blown on this, man. Uh, we're gonna magnetize um, all the options for the Dracosin as well as the Valdor. Um, so it's going to come with the, uh, the Dracosins are going to come with the option to front mount a demolisher cannon as well as the um, twin linked last cannon. And then the, uh, the gunner on top is going to have the ability to take either the multi-laser uh, or the flamer uh, for just total customization, right? So uh, Solar Auxilia just doesn't have a lot of depth. Uh, so when Dave and I were talking, we just, we said, look, man, let's give these guys the ability to, um, you know, have as have as much diversity as possible, and it's just going to look awesome. Uh, I think Dave's got a little like you know minute and thirty second video up on his website on uh, how this all breaks out. It's like eleven magnets, 
um, but it just looks so good. And uh, I really wanted to be able to represent the um, Solar Auxilia has the option for HQ to take a uh, tank commander. Uh, so I really wanted to be able to represent that on the Valdors. So I've got two Valdors and uh, they're just going to be so sexy. Uh, we're going to we're going to paint them up as kind of the uh, the 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 worn and battered tank Titan hunters that they are. Right. So yeah. maybe put some, put some Titan kills on them and, and dirty them up a little bit. Um, and then with those. Uh, you know, those options to magnetize. I think it's, they're just going to be gorgeous. All right. Very cool. Uh, for myself, let's see. This week, I actually did a little bit of a Shade Spire model painting. I painted up some of uh, the Orc Boys, the Iron Jaws for a Secret Santa at the local Warhammer Richmond store, which was a lot of fun because I honestly hadn't really ever painted orcs in my life, which is kind of weird, but there you go. But yeah, they turned out really nice, man. I love did, uh, the armor. Exactly as you know, you'd expect the iron jaws that got that yellow armor. Yes, yeah, so and uh, the um, the sad part was I kind of had to speed through it. It was a, it was a bit of a speed pain. I did it in a day and a half because I just didn't have time during the week. So picked up a few tips that I learned at some of the co- convention seminars at Nova. One was about mm-hmm. speed painting, and uh, one of the lessons I picked up from there is uh, washes are your friend. Yeah. So yeah. getting those getting those base coats down, a few brushes here and then, and then just going with different layers of washes and washes and washes, and then yeah, blending everything the, together. The GW washes act as color filters too. Yes. So you can throw those over like a white if you ha- or like a cream color or something like that. If you have a yellow, then you get like yellow armor. You know, it it is they work as filters as well as they do washes. So it's pretty nice. Yeah, it was really good. Um, but you got you you put effort into it you made little blood effects on the axes and all that stuff man they look great thanks i need to spice it up a little bit i thought yeah yeah and trying to work on my december motivational project my 40k dark angel cataphracti with the halberds of caliban from 40k yeah those guys look really cool man yeah i'm pretty happy with how they turned out because in the angels of caliban artwork the uh the cover of the artwork shows in the background, a Terminator holding that 40K halberd of Caliban Dark Angel weapon. I was like, man, I wonder. So I had one or two lying around, picked it up, yeah. put it on there. I was like, oh, sweet. So yeah, I got a few from eBay, made a five-man squadron, and working on the... Got most of the base coats down right now. I posted a picture of my sergeant up online on the 30K, web, uh, 30K Facebook page for Richmond 30K, and... uh yeah, yeah, we'll have to get those on the. Um, well, actually, all the work we've been doing, we got to put those up on the uh, Remembrance Retreat site. Definitely share yeah. those pictures out to everybody. Absolutely. So, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Planning to those by uh, New Year's. Nice. That'll be good. Uh, we'll probably have. You know what? That's actually brings me into something. So, my idea I've got. I've always been tossing this around for a little while for an event. Is to have everybody a lot like say two hundred fifty points. Right. You take a base unit. And then allow people to take a list of existing war gear to make a custom unit for their legion. So here would be the example, right? So you could take, like, Gorgon Terminator, and then for 15 points apiece, you could add boarding shields to them. And then for 10 points apiece, you could add Graviton guns to them, right? Mm -hmm. So they'd only get one attack in combat, but they'd be like a ranged anti-tank counter-assault unit. Like a house-ruled custom yeah exactly and i think for an event that would be really cool to see what kind of conversions people could come up we'd have limitations in place to make sure that points wise they didn't go over and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. 
but I think that would be really cool. What are you guys' thoughts? Oh, that's amazing. That would that's be a lot like, of fun. That sheds light on like a lot of special units that you don't really have rules. Like think of uh, like white scars. You know, right now they don't have anything released by Forge World, but you could. Oh my gosh, you could get the Keshag Terminators. Yeah. See, you're you're thinking it now. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's the whole thing, right? Is to take stuff that you've read about in books. Like, even if it was, say, somebody wanted to do what what is it? Um, Later in the episode, we're going to be doing Tooth and Claw Part Two, right? And Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but Tooth and Claw, Autech Moore uses a vehicle called a Marauder Assault Tank. A Mauler. Is is it a Mauler? Okay. A Mauler Assault Tank, which is basically a Sikorin with an assault ramp. Is that right? Something like that. Yeah. See, so I would love to have this event where you could make and convert up a Sikorin with an assault ramp and make a Mauler assault tank. I would totally love that. That That's the kind of stuff I want to do for an event. Well, you so know, we'll, like in the past, we've done uh, events, we've done NPCs, which are like yeah. totally extremely homebrewed, build your, own, build your own character, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And people love that. People really want to see that back, which is why, again, like David's taken over NPC 2.0 with a little bit of guidance from me from the first one, but that is going to be awesome. We're going to have assassins, bodyguards, all kinds of units thrown into the mix coming up here soon. And David's gone the extra mile to put like special rules and missions attached to each one. And David went like way over the top. He, he made little like dossiers for them and stuff like that. So like if you got an assassin, you would open up a manila envelope and you would see a picture of your assassin, like in their, you know, like a mugshot of them, and then they would have like this is their background, this is their mission, um, and your mission will give you extra victory points. And that's the kind of level of depth I want to have for all future NPCs, right? But I think having the NPC stuff with this homebrew unit thrown on would be really cool. So sorry to go off track, but man, I, that is something I want to do. And you talking about your Terminators totally is a good lead into that. You know, you've already got the Terminators built. Let's give you some rules for them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like right now, obviously, there's no rules for Dark Angels as far as Halberds and stuff. One day. One day. But right now, I'm just running the Maxes. Angelus! It's coming! That's right. But, you know, instead of Halberds, I just count them as Power Axes right now. They definitely serve that purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking, right? We could give them a rule similar to um, what do the Death Shroud have? The Scythes, right? Yeah, right, right. So similar to that. They do have that, yeah. All right. So well, (laughs) Jesse, um, I think we're running on time here. So we can go ahead and move into um uh events right after this break. You all right with that? Totally. All right. All right. See you then. All right, ready to talk about uh events that we've been up to. Biggest one we've had recently is our 2017 Secret Santa at Battlegrounds, Richmond. Will, what do you want to talk about? Well, let's get right into it. Let's talk about the tandem event, is what I'll call it, right? We had Secret Santa, and we had the Siege for Ice Moon Shiloh. And the Mega Battle tied in with the Secret Santa, because whatever you got for Secret Santa, you got to play in the game for free. Doesn't matter if it was a knight or if it was a tactical squad or whatever. You got to play with it for free. Yeah, it was a, it was a blast. Like, I know for yeah. myself, Jason painted up some awesome... He painted me a Dark Angels um, to Mortat, which was a lot of fun. And, yeah, and he even made sure it was the Plasma variant, which just screams Dark Angel to me. Like, if, I, if I'd have seen Volkite, I get it. You know, 
you know, destroyers of the dark age or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but man, that plasma just always says dark angels. Oh yeah. And the plasma is awesome. Fortunately, the rules are kind of disappointing, but Oh, it's still worth it though. It looked like a little cipher, like yeah, cipher it, in training. He looked pretty <laughs> awesome. Yep. And yeah, I'm actually uh, thinking of doing one for the word bearers just for who the cool. Oh yeah. Very cool. And Jason also painted me a Sons of Horus Leviathan. No, sorry. Derideo pattern Dreadnought. Laskin and Variant, which was pretty awesome. Because yeah, that's, that's my next project, is eventually Sons of Horus. When I yeah, I completely there. forgot you were playing Sons of Horus until I saw it. I was like, Who, who's the Sons of Horus Dreadnought? <laughs> and you were like, me. And I was like, oh damn, that's right. Well, I plan to get there one day, but for some reason I always just end up starting doing more dark angels projects it's like it's a great collection man you just want to keep yeah. adding to it i get oh, it i know it's <laughs> the models look great i got um yeah i got 40 tacticals ready to go for sons of horus all base painted up and everything just a few details but <laughs> i still come back to my dark angels they're my bottom bay yeah um so what'd you actually do then like you got that stuff what'd you do for somebody then so i had austin as my secret Santa recipient, I painted him a javelin land speeder with las cannons, which was a lot of fun. I hadn't. One of the things I really enjoy about the secret Santa is you get a chance to do stuff you never did before. And uh, painting some space wolves was pretty fun. Enjoyed that. I uh, felt like I needed to give him a little bit more though. So <laughs> I was at. Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do? Well, I was at a Christmas market like a few days before, and they. There was some custom glass etching booth. And I was like, and they said we could do custom orders in like an hour. I'm like, ooh. So I get on my phone, pull up a 30K Space Wolves icons. Like, can you do this? And they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. We can do that. No problem. I was like, sweet. See you in an hour. So got him in a cool glass mug with the. Yeah. And it, it's like a, it's a mug mug. Like you drink ale out of, dude. It is so like, awesome. Like glass stein. It looked more like a space wolf shot glass. <laughs> I guess if you're a space wolf, yeah, it's you're probably just taking shots out of it. That's that's probably true. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's what I got and what I gave for Secret Santa. Nice. Now with the uh, javelin, did you put? Um, I guess like like the the bearded dudes on there. Or did you put them in helmets? So I took one bearded dude from the 40k range, the one that didn't look you know the most crazy, but actually looked like a decent beard. Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, like one that's got snarling teeth coming underneath it and that, yeah. That's right. And the driver himself, he had the uh, the pilot version of the Mark IV with all the eyepieces and everything on there. Oh, well, that's good. That makes sense. Yeah, you'd want your pilot to have a proper helmet on that could read aeronautic gauges and whatnot. So, nice. That's right. Very the good. gunner can have the wind blowing through his hair as he just firing his heavy bolter. Makes sense. Nice. Robbie, what'd you do? Did you did you participate even? What are you talking about? Heck yeah, did, I was there. Remember awesome, yeah. Oh yeah, no, I know you were. Oh, I know yeah. you were at the uh, the game. What'd you do for Secret Santa? Oh, Secret Santa. I I had Jason, and uh, I got him a Leviathan Seed Shreddnot, and I magnetized all the weapons because I didn't really know how he wanted to run it. And then once I finished it, I just kept looking at it like, dude, it it needs something. So then uh, 
I contacted one of our other uh, gaming pals and got a 3D printed Dreadnought drop pod and painted that up, weathered it up. I got to use some secret weapon uh, pigments, and it was great. It was it was super fun. I realized that I really liked painting with red, and that's that was the actual pivotal moment that made me decide, like, yep, it's word bearer time. So it was Thousand Suns then, I'm going to assume, right? Yeah, yeah, Thousand Suns, yeah, and he had nice. a third fellowship, so you replace all the white with black, and that Ooh, right that's there. That's easy, man. Yeah, so yeah. it was just like quick over, like, I, it was pretty much like painting a word bear, just a different decal. Nice, very cool, man. And, by the way, those drop pods that are 3D printed, um, they look really good, and considering Forge World has been without drop pods for the past couple of months, um, gosh, I'm a, I, I want to say almost a year, actually, they haven't had Dreadnought drop pods, so, I mean, it's the best workaround we can do, and, uh, I mean, it's not like he's selling them online or anything like that, he prints them out and gives us to him, or gives them to us so we can use, because he understands there's a need for it, and, you know, yeah, if I, we're able to make it happen, we can make it happen as a team, you know? Yeah, I personally don't feel very guilty about it, seeing this fact that you can never find them anywhere, even on eBay or stuff, or... Yeah, I'm not about to give my money to communist China for a recast or anything like that. Exactly. I'd rather give the money to a buddy who builds them as opposed to, you know, whoever. Yeah. And he's (laughs) not making profit. He's just buying more of the uh, plastic that he's using to cast them. So it's it's a great system, you know. Um, Jason, what'd you do, though? So you got... Oh, yeah. Let me finish. Yeah. And then um, Steven had drawn me and he went all out and got me a uh, a castigator and i was i was not ready for it you know i I opened the bin and i like peek in and my heart drops and i fell to the floor like i was not expecting him to go with the the all-out top tier gift because i just threw that on there for giggles not expecting that was going to be the gift i was super excited i was and then right after we got to field it for free we'll touch base on that later it's a heartbreaking story, but the gift itself was amazing. Yeah, he was sending me um, work in progress pictures and asking me for, you know, because I have a bunch of decals out or nighthouse decals I was using for the uh, black shields. So he went and like rat fucked them all. He took every one of them and just started ripping, you know, decals off. He's like, I might need this. I might need this. I might need this. And he'd send me pictures. And man, there was so much heart and soul put into that. Um. He even personalized it, didn't he, Robbie? Oh yeah, yeah, he did did a great job. He he like found like some good quotes. Uh, he always sneaks around and talks to my uh, my fiance, and he's a dirty little bastard. And he gets he gets on my my soft side, and <laughs> he gets things that are dear to me. And you know, I got a rough exterior, and I got a real soft interior. And he uses my my woman to 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 get me. And he had my birthday. He had my favorite quotes and scripture and it was, he went over the top and then some more. So kudos to Steven. Yeah, that is typical of Steven to do that. So what a very good man. Up, right? I know what the fuck is he doing? Personalizing shit and putting like that perfect touch onto completing projects like dickhead, man. But, total, uh, total closing dickhead. I know. Right. <laughs> um, so Jason, you got, a gift from Robbie, which he already mentioned. So, what'd you think of it? 
Uh, Big old heaping pile of shit, right? Oh, like none other, man. I uh, I put it to some good use during the game right after as well. I was pretty pretty excited about that. That was fun. So it got a, a pretty good workout right out of the gate there. And and let's see for Secret Santa, of course, I got Jesse, like we discussed earlier there. Um, it actually took me a while to figure out how to paint a Sons of Horus scheme because I'd never put a lot of effort into one. And I put about 14 hours into that dreadnought, and I was about to put the final varnish coat on it to seal it up real good, you know? And I figured out I had a bunch of silver paint on my hands, and I was like, oh, God, I hope this didn't get all over the dreadnought. And, of course, it did. So, <laughs> Oh, man. That's when I decided to go all in on uh, weathered Sons of Horus armor instead of uh, pristine Sons of Horus armor. And I think it actually turned out better than it started originally. So happy mistake there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. You got to love when things fall in like that. Yeah, that's the worst, man. Like, when you've got paint, especially like if you're painting and you're too lazy to put it on the palette. So you just drop it next to the model and you forget about it. Then your palm hits it. Then the paint is everywhere. It's all over your models. And that is the worst. I'm not going to lie. On the um, sicker I'm doing, there are a couple spots where some lead belcher might have gotten on places they shouldn't. So I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to slap a decal right over that. And uh, bada boom, hidden. It's Iron Hands. Who's going to notice? Right. Thank you. Yeah, it's lead belcher. It's like, what is in that part of it? Yeah. Damn, I got some white on my white scars. Uh, so yeah, you you enjoyed it then, Jason? Absolutely, it was a blast. Nice, David. What'd you do? Uh, well, first I got uh, totally surprised and uh, and just uh, awesome gift from Jared. Uh, I got a Castellum Stronghold, uh, which was my uh, top tier uh, level request. Um, I put it down there because just because uh it's amazing and uh i've always wanted one um jared came through jared's our uh, resident imperial fist player so jared has the sandcastles and he knows about uh them so i may have uh i may have just gotten lucky there i may have uh touched a soft spot with uh with jared um but he came through he got me the uh castle stronghold i got to play it in the event um man that thing is amazing uh it's just it's it's so good, and uh, I really enjoyed being able to use it in the game. And then I'm looking forward to using it down the road. Uh, and so yeah, I know he events. keeps he keeps harassing you, saying, "Hey, you need to get an Iron Hands or I'm sorry, Iron Warriors list together, and put the stronghold in it." And he yeah. wants to bring his Imperial Fist stronghold, and you guys just basically have a gun line back and forth shooting at each other's sandcastles. Exactly. Sandcastle yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's going to happen. Uh, we've been talking about it. Whenever, uh, hopefully, before uh, he uh, he has his uh, his little dude, we can make that happen. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to that. Yeah, it looks great. I mean, he put like the effort into pigments, um, weathering all over the thing. You know, and you can use it for any legion. It is awesome. Yeah, not to mention, Will, you uh, you contributed to that project a little bit with the. Uh, um, the battle cannon turrets, right? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, I guess. Oh, sure. Don't be, don't be but, humble. Um, yeah, yeah no. there were a couple battle cannons I had laying around, and uh, he had mentioned that he wanted some form, so I was like, I got you, man. Don't worry. 
yeah, and and the battle cannons it make the Castellum stronghold like uh, just so much more offensive, right? It just it actually becomes uh, capable of dishing out some some pretty decent pie sized damage at seventy two inches with the uh, with the battle cannon. You can actually reach out and touch somebody instead of just being a uh, sort of a you know a stronghold. Yeah, plus as Solar Auxilia, you can put your command elements in there and have your um your you know mini Voxcast guy, uh, who I think he's BS four or BS five, and you can have him slinging uh, those templates out. You know. So sad story. Uh, Solar Auxilia and Militia actually don't have access to the Castle Stronghold. We sort of bent the rules because of the Secret Santa. We said if you're gifted a uh, if you're gifted something, you can use it in your list. I brought. Solar Ox along with uh, Sons of Chorus. So I put my uh, my Solar Auxilia inside of the Castellum Stronghold. I don't think you can actually do that uh, per the rules. We're going to have to check the rules because I thought just like a Titan, fortifications could be taken by anybody. Because, I mean, Titans I are... That's true. Yeah. You have fortification detachments. So... And I don't care what anybody says. If you have a Castle Stronghold, if you're going to pay the points and the money for it, please put it on the table. Yeah, nobody, nobody's stopping you. Nobody's going to be like, uh, sir, uh, please, reference rule line, <laughs> uh, article one, and uh. Fair. Yeah. Beyond I mean, that- I know if you ever want to play it in a game against me, you are 100% welcome to. 100%. You just can't bring nine void shields. <laughs> yeah. There's a stipulation, right? Um, what uh, gift did you actually get then? Did you do like a? Did you give a gift, David? I, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, so I got Stephen. Uh, Stephen's handle for those of uh, of you who don't uh, participate in our in our chat, our Richmond 30k chat. Stephen's handle for a year has been super excited for Secret Santa. Right. Like that's that's been Steven's handle for a year. So I was like, all right, man, this guy and Steven's just a good dude. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going all in. Uh, Steven's Steven's top tier uh, wish was a word bearers uh, falchion. So I reached out to um, one of the guys I work with on my Titans. So he does really, really big units. Um, I've gotten two Reavers painted by him. Uh, Tom Markham out of the UK, Markham Studios. And I said, hey, Tom, um, special request. Uh, I need this to happen. And he made it happen and uh, magnetized the sponsoons and got the Forge World Word Bears doors. And uh, I think it came out really well. And I think Stephen was pretty psyched. Uh, Stephen just about hit the floor and had like a, a head injury. He was pretty psyched. Yeah, pretty psyched, I think, is, is an understatement, man. That was an amazing gift. Uh, your painter did outstanding with the pigments and like the OSL and the weapon and everything like that. David, if it's all right, I want to get with you because I know you do a lot of commission work. If we could get the name of the commission studios you use and we could post those up along with this show, that way if people are interested, you know, uh, they can go check them out. Yeah, the, the, st- the products you get from them are outstanding. So absolutely. Definitely want to give those guys a shout out. Thanks. Yeah, we can give a shout out to the the good artist of, of the Horus Heresy. You know, you got David Sampson, you know, and, and Lancaster painting. That that is not a commission studio, sir. <laughs> uh I don't do commissions anymore. I got burnt out after the one time I did it and uh, I can't do it no more. Um 
what else do we have then? Uh, me, I guess, right? Um, so I did do Secret Santa, and my top tier gift was something I really wanted that I, I mean, I felt was still in reach for anybody in the group to accomplish, and I luckily enough got it. Wake, one of our dudes, who is our uh, fabricator general, he's a guy with a 3D printer and uh, soon to be, what does he got? Like a little uh, laser cutter coming in too, right? For terrain and that. Um, but he got me a 10 man squad of Mordathan with sniper rifles and three missile launchers. So the plan for this is to keep them on an objective in cover and just have them, uh, snipe out high value targets like apothecaries and sergeants and that kind of stuff while they hold an objective. And I think it's going to be a really effective unit and it looks awesome. He got the rise of pattern underslung missile launchers, which look really cool. Oh yeah, those are great. Wake, yeah. Wake did an amazing job on them. I know, which is crazy. I mean, it's not crazy that he did an amazing job. He's he's a good painter. He just doesn't paint as this thing. And I mean, wow, they look great. You know, he he never paints, and he's always like, "Oh, I'm not a good painter." This and the other, and was able to do these guys, and they look exactly like I wanted them to. So, ace oh. job, Wake, if you're listening to this. I love how he put them in individual little boxes for each miniature. Right, yeah, like the little um, jeweler's boxes almost. So I felt like I was getting 10 presents. It was (laughs) awesome, you know? Definitely. And then uh, I got, I'm sorry. Go Um, ahead. ahead. I got Manny, and for him, I did Thousand Sons. And uh, I've never done Thousand Sons. And after this, I don't like doing Thousand Sons. (laughs) Um, I'll never start a Thousand Sons Legion because of this. But it was an experience nonetheless. He wanted a Legion Praetor. And I figured, well, if I'm going to do Thousand Sons, I might as well get him that fancy Thousand Sons Legion Praetor. So I got him that. And uh, then I figured, well, what's a Praetor without a bodyguard section? So I then got him five Sekhmet Terminators as uh, bonus points. I'm not sure if if this is like an an optimal sub loadout or whatever. Um, But I got him... Two chain fists, three power fists, and all combi plasmas. So I don't know if they're going to be super effective on the table, but they look cool, and uh, I'm sure they'll kill something. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, For that paint scheme, I got with David, and I didn't want to paint white shoulder pads after having to do the Praetor with his white shoulder pads and white face and all that stuff like that. And I was like, what do you have for inspiration? And he showed me their pre-Crusade outfit or their armor that's in book seven and it's got like a cyan shoulder pad. Yeah. That is that the one with the, uh, like the blue and the, yeah, it's like blue with a cream colored armor, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so it's pretty cool for the sick med, I did like an homage to that where their shoulder pads are a cyan color. That's sort of like paying off. So I didn't have to do a white. That was my lazy ditch out, I guess. And I was just like, no, these guys are totally they're you know, they're they're like, we remember the old the Legion as it was or whatever bullshit line I gave myself. So but yeah, I wasn't gonna do white on all those guys, shoulder pads. So yeah, there you go. All right. Very I cool. too tried the Thousand Suns paint scheme and I quickly was burnt out. It, it's just rough. You know, I picked like uh, a really, really shiny pristine look i had lacquer paints first time using those and like the smell i was i think i was like clinically depressed 
like the entire time I was trying to incorporate them. I was like, God, a hobby is supposed to be fun. I shouldn't dread having to sit down at the Yeah. Right. So, you know, once I, I realized that I had no no uh you know, everybody gave me crap for it, like, oh, on to another Legion already. And I was like, man, I just I'm not happy. So I had to get rid of them. So I completely understand. Yeah, you got rid of them, and uh, somehow I ended up with them. <laughs> They're sitting in my closet right now, just saying, "Jesse, come paint us." And like, I'm, I'm so intimidated by the, by the painting of them. Like, they're awesome. They look so good. The ones you painted look great. Oh no, they're they're beautiful, but it's like, it almost isn't worth it to me. Like, if I was gonna, I probably wouldn't have finished them if someone was gonna pay me to. That's how much I loathe that project. Mm. Yeah, those kind of projects, Raleigh, I feel are great for um, Victorious Vengeance. Uh, you can do like 10 models, do a little Victorious Vengeance Strike Force, you know, try to paint it. And that's what I would recommend. If anybody's ever going to try to do like a new scheme, paint up a small 10 man Victorious Vengeance campaign element. And if you like painting up those 10 models, then you might like painting an entire army, you know? That's not a bad idea. I've never heard of Victory's Vengeance before myself. What? That's the uh, what? Jesse, you've never played Victory's Vengeance. How long have you been in the Heresy? Three, about two, two years maybe. All right, we will have a Victory's Vengeance campaign just for you. Then uh, check it out. What is it, guys? I think it's book three. Not sure. We'll find out for sure. I got the rules for you though, and okay, cool. It is basically like a uh, kill team sort of thing where each model acts as its own individual unit. Oh, I did. I had no idea they had kill team rules for heresy or assembly. Yes, sir. That. That and cool. uh, character progression within it, and like unit allotments, so like ammo reloads and all kinds of stuff. It's like it's like thirty k kill team and Necromunda in the one game. Okay, that, you sold me. That sounds awesome. Nice, nice. Another one rides the bus. <laughs> all right, so um, we can continue then on the campaign. Or uh, not a campaign, I'm sorry, on the um, event. Yeah, let's talk about the actual game itself. So like I said, it was a tandem event where we had the Secret Santa, and whatever you played, you got for free. So all the gifts that people mentioned that they did and got were all for free. So it was great, right? A castle and stronghold for free, a knight for free. Um, And then we played a game. The game was a 2,500-point Crusade army list. Um, standard sort of four sword chart mega battle on a uh, four by twelve. Yep. I had placed twenty four objectives, and only seven of which were positive influence. So under those seven, if you lifted them up, they would have an X. If it had an X, you would get a ten dollar Amazon gift card. Now these if objectives had- were. Tiny little Christmas gifts. Yes, they were. It yeah, they were tiny a, Christmas uh, presents. Yeah, it was a Christmas themed Horus Heresy mega battle. Yeah, the whole board was set up in a winter theme. I'm the entry fee for this was a piece of winter terrain in like a Christmas theme. So some people brought like candy canes. Some did, you know, just snow bases, which were fine. And others like um, Pat actually did like a little sixty millimeter base with a Christmas tree on it and a Christmas light. And a bunch of presents around the tree. So it was amazing to see all what different things people would do. And uh, 
so yeah, we had all that terrain scattered around, and then we had our 24 objectives. Now, those seven that I mentioned, if you saw dollar signs under them, they were $25 gift cards. And if you saw X's, they were $10 gift cards. And the rest of them were all 5-inch D-blasts that would be placed over the unit that discovered it and would cover the majority of the units, and those would take a D-hit with no scatter or anything like that. So it was really like, oh man, I really thought these D-Blasts were going to do a lot more. And as it turns out, they didn't do much. So it was a kind of a letdown. But, you know, whatever, I guess. People had fun. And uh, seeing everybody... That was the first time I've ever played a game, I think, where everybody claimed every single objective because they all wanted those gift cards. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it was it was pretty fun. It definitely changed the dynamic of the game. Yeah, Mike... Mike, uh, the Death Guard player, he uh, he did an amazing job. He had like the Rhino Rush going on, and he had Death Guard veterans coming at the Union. And yeah, I and- swear he got every D blast, but he's like, <laughs> it's worth it because those are objectives. I was like, what a yeah. true Death Guard player. So even if they blew up, that was it, right? You still scored the victory point, and it was the objective was taken off the board, and it was scored permanently for your side. Now, also, to score victory points, there was an NPC that I was playing. So I didn't bring an army this game, but I brought Center Klaus, who was a rogue trader who's got advanced Xeno equipment and weaponry. And he would teleport in, and he could assault the turn he teleported in. And then he could do a hit and run and leave combat. And he could do that for every faction's turn. So his whole job was to just cause mayhem. But whoever destroyed him would um, get five victory points out of their team. So, oh yeah, that guy was a tough mofo. Like eternal war. Like he, he's, he's like a mini Primarch. And yeah, that's what everybody kept saying. Which yeah, I'm pretty he, much that's what I wrote him as. You know, everybody up. And then uh, who was it? Austin. He uh, he was the one who finally took him out, and not yep. with an Astartes, with a fucking navigator. A lidless stare. Boom. Like, I don't care. Remove you. Yeah, just gone. And the crazy thing was, I fell for the bait, too. I had no idea he had a navigator in that unit. But he was like, I bet you my um, grenadiers can take out your uh, NPC there. And I was like, there's no goddamn way that grenadiers can do anything against this dude. So I dropped him right next to the grenadiers and he was like, little stare and <laughs> ba-boom gone. Took the bait. Yeah. I was like, how naive was I to think I could get away with killing grenadiers? You never mess with grenadiers ever, especially when a navigator's with them. But, uh, so that was the gist of the, of the game overall. Um, do you guys want to talk about your list or any highlights you had? Yeah, yeah, I'll talk. Um, it was it was a great game. Uh, like just in like the shenanigans, uh, it was split down the middle. Uh, traders ended up seizing the initiative uh, because they had Alfarius and we had uh, uh, Gilliman. So you know they seized on a four up. It had to be re-rolled, but they still seized. So it was a pretty devastating first turn. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, the game kept on going. Uh, some some highlights, uh, you know, traders deep struck in, great alpha strike. You had 
Leviathan Dreadnoughts coming out the yin-yang. You've had Word Bearers, Gal Warbot coming down. Alpha Legion were infiltrating. So it literally looked like a, like a siege of a planet because on the Loyalist side, you had uh, David's Castellum and two Aegis lines, Solar Auxilia, you know, vehicles, everybody's hunkered down. And then you had on the other side, just a really assault savvy move forward, run and gun. So it, it was a mega battle that looked like a narrative. Exactly. Yeah. It, the narrative wrote itself. It felt like an actual siege. Like you said, it had all the fortifications and the loyalists were all like prepared and ready for whatever was going to come. And then the, the traders just came in and that blitzkrieg they did was just like, we're talking Leviathans in the enemy's deployment zone, turn one, like, uh, people already like in range to assault and all kinds of stuff, man. It was, it was excellent. Oh yeah. Mortarian. He got a turn one assault. Like literally the only thing I was able to do was fire overwatch, which was ridiculous. But key note, I had a uh, Laz section, 100 points, hold up Mortarian for the entire game. So that was... Does he not have hit and run or anything? No. Oh, I guess no. I guess that is like a rare thing, isn't it? He could not do enough wounds. And whenever he did start to, uh, Wake would feed in a Dreadnought for a little bit just to hold him up. Oh, and, nice. And, yeah. And I had the Lord Marshal giving leadership 10 to everybody. And then I had a, a troop Vexilla giving plus one to combat results. So even if he did hit with everything, kill with everything, it was still only minus. I think he only had four attacks base. Um, he was only able to get a couple out a turn. And then I would still with great leadership stick in there. Like, no, you don't messed up. You're stuck in glue. Nice. Um, so this this event, we actually did the book four character progression system. I made alterations to it because we want to. We want these characters to upgrade fast and uh, be cool after you know four games or whatever. Considering we only do one narrative event a month, so we we don't want people wait an entire year for their character to be cool. So, um, but what what did your uh, character end up doing at the end of it that earned her um, some campaign points? She did nothing. She got that's walked. right. Oh, that's she, right. Yeah, she got walked by a dark martyr. I was boasting. I even like, I got Steven to redirect his assault because I was like, "Oh man, I got a Paragon blade, digital lasers, Mastercraft, and a Displacer Matrix, and I'm in a ten man unit of flamers and a Grav Wave generator. Like, I'm gonna win this." Wrong. I freaking. I whiffed on all my attacks and then one strength 10 power fist goes through. I was like, Oh, that's cool. I have a three up. I roll a one and I didn't roll my Legion dice. So I was like, Oh man, I messed up. Damn dude. Yeah. That's a reason I always bring that Legion dice with you. Uh, For those of you who don't know, and I'm pretty sure that's anybody who isn't a member of the community. We do Legion dice, which are your factions dice. So if you're Loyalist, it's a Aquila. If you're Traitors, it's a Sons of Horus. And you're always allowed to put that in your pool and re-roll it if it's a failed. So I figure it kind of balances because everybody's got that power. You get one just for attending the event, you know? So 
Um, but yeah, Robbie, that's some good highlights. Uh, anybody else have any? Jesse? Well, I w- will say there was at one point where I believe it was Jason who brought his newly painted up Dreadnought Drop Pod right into our backfield. And the plan was for everyone to surround the Drop Pod, which had a Leviathan Dreadnought in there, uh, surround it, wreck the Drop Pod so the Dreadnought could not emergency disembark and automatically be booted out. Unfortunately, my new Deradeo was a little uh, over-eager and managed to blow up the Drop Pod. Oh, got an explode result? Yes, which has... uh, Oh, no. (laughs) As rules go, instead of having to disembark, you just plop whatever is inside right in the footprint. So it ended up with a Leviathan Dreadnought surrounded by a whole bunch of stuff that would he would just love to destroy. <laughs> and a turn of shooting from an entire section wasted. <laughs> right. On, Again, in hindsight. In, that Leviathan, Rob. Yeah, in, in hindsight, I probably should have started out with the rocket launcher. On the top first. That might yeah, have all right. Wrong. I was like, no, I'm going to use these LAS cannons because, you know, let's get three penetrating shots and hope to not roll a five. <laughs> I think I got two explosions on that. Yeah. So it was a little, you did. Yeah. I, was, uh, <laughs> I was glad I went with that uh, choice for your Secret Santa after the fact. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't get much action after that. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm uh, sorry, Jason. Real quick, let me just ask Jesse, what did your character do? So my character, for the most part, was kind of in the back corner. And, and I believe it was Branson who had some uh, uh, Night Lords. And they were coming up on the side field. So I had a 10-man tactical squadron and a rhino drive up beside me. My Praetor popped out of his uh, command rhino and joined up the group. And so we're... Planning to charge. And then Branson unloaded, you know, hey, by the way, these headhunters have these rules. And I'm like, I'm not going to charge. <laughs> so at that point, got a few in Overwatch. Me and Austin uh, managed to take a few out when they started to move into their charge phase. Uh, my Praetor managed to decapitate the headhunter sergeant, which was nice. Good. We, yeah. Uh, we, uh, Eventually, after two rounds, we failed combat and had to retreat, but luckily we're able to survive the sweep. So I did manage to take out the leader and managed to survive an encounter with Night Lord Headhunters. So <laughs> I say that's, that's a win. Too, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You didn't <laughs> I, die, so you I got that this, going for you. You know, as a Dark Angel player, I got to spin it, spin it the right way. Yeah, there you go. It's all about how you spin it, yeah. Um, I will, yeah, and for I think this is my first mega battle that I did not first mega battle that I did not lose an entire anything. I don't think any of my units were completely destroyed, other than the uh, Sons of Horus Deradeo. But Sons of Horus, who cares? So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Jason, what do you got, man? Any highlights? Uh, yeah, they were a couple. Uh. So, Hold on, I think I know what you're going to talk about. So, let's ask this first. Would your character do this game? <laughs> All right. So, wreck shit. He did. Uh, he did at that. So, my force this game was a uh, main detachment of 
uh, let's see, Ordo Reductor Mechanicum with my uh, normal, uh, you know, badass loaded down Reductor Majos. And so I was really excited that I finally got an entire Assault Squad and my Praetor for my Thousand Sons painted up. So I took them as like a tiny allied detachment. Uh, little did I know at the time, they would probably do more by themselves than my entire bunch of mechanics. And well, my character now has a bit of a reputation. Uh, he is a mastery level three of Biomancy Praetor of the Pavoni. I actually converted him using an Eidolon model, which uh, I really wanted to do something cool with that. So that's more or less where that entire Thousand Suns Force got started. I wanted to do a cool Praetor with that Eidolon, but not Eidolon, because of course he's an asshole. So my entire objective in that game was to get my Assault Squad of Thousand Suns across the board and get into combat with Gulliman. Because I wanted to see if my biomancied up uh, Praetor, he had an Iron Arm, Warp Speed, and Enfeeble for that game. I wanted to see if he could actually tangle with a Primarch and hold his own. So on the way there, uh, Robbie's brand new knight uh, intercepted both uh, my Thousand Sons Assault Squad and my Ordo Reductor Majos and his little bodyguard of Thalax. And uh, things took an unexpected turn. And I feel like I've given him enough crap. So, uh, Rob, do you want to describe that series of events for me? Oh, yeah, yeah. I w- I'll, I'll describe my infamy of destruction. So here I am. I got this brand new castigator. Super excited. My my whole force that I had built was its whole thing was just to destroy vehicles. I had four vanquishers behind Aegis lines with ammo dumps and a lightning with Kraken penetrators. All I wanted to do was blow stuff up. But then I got the castigator. I was like, whoa, I gotta throw this at the biggest infantry unit I can find so I can use its Tempest Strike. You know, that's at initiative two and it hits every model of base contact. Well, lo and behold, I see this huge assault squad of Thousand Sons. I was like, yep, that's where he's going. So I just take the center of the board. I get the assault. I make first in the shooting phase, I get zero wounds. Like I shoot everything, everything's saved. I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I've got this Warblade coming. We'll see what's up. I assault, hammer, wrath, no wounds. I'm like, okay, we're still good. Just wait till initiative step two. Well, this flexor, this steroid-driven, on-speed, crack-smoking Matilda of a Thousand Suns Praetor (laughs) comes in and just hits, pins, explodes, does seven whole points of damage before I can even roll another die. And I'm like, are you serious? Oh, Did this? Ha- and I was in awe. I was stuck for a little bit. And there's actually a picture where I, I have my head, my head in my hands, because I'm still in disbelief. Like, you know, a hundred ten times out of ten, I am going to make that same choice, that same tactical decision to throw a castigator at infantry. And it just it would not click in my head that that happened, and it blew up. And then it went supernova and drifted back on 
to our the loyalist side Holy and did shit. even more damage and killed <laughs> like a sicarin and a and a and a contemptor with a d blast so i was like af- after that i was like i'm getting revenge i'm going to kill this praetor luckily i had s- some cyclops demolition robots with automatic uh automatic exploding so the d ones so later on i got my revenge but it's still, no matter what I did that entire game, it still earned me the title of LVP, and it earned Jason MVP for the <laughs> did, end of the game. You did so, manage to kill the Praetor? I did, I did. Nice. Uh, I must it, have been on the other took, side of the table when that happened. It took 600 more points of a heavy <laughs> support slot to do it. Yeah, so to be fair... That's a series of events that will probably never happen again. Uh, when he has Iron Arm on, my Praetor is a strength eight with his Paragon Blade. So he rolled those two sixes against the knight's front armor of 13 for a penetrate. And then he rolled two sixes again. So he got double box cars in order to get that extra explodes result for an extra D3 hull points. Yeah, the odds for that are just ridiculous. They're not good, no. And after that, I was able to establish that, yes, a Ordo Reductor Archmagos and a uh, Biomancied Up Praetor can, in fact, give Gulliman a hard time, especially since I winged a single Dark Lance shot off his face first and blinded him. Which was pretty entertaining. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because every time he tried to strike back, you'd just be like, sorry, man, you're blinded. You can't do anything at this moment, really. Gulliman me was on sixes. Ah, he didn't see that tactic coming. Yeah, but Master tactician, my ass. In all honesty, Jason's uh, unit would have killed him if I didn't throw the demolition robot. So I'm 100% sure that you were going to wipe that combat up which was pretty dope. It was pretty entertaining. Uh, my Reductor Magos and the Praetor uh, knocked five of Gulliman's six wounds off in that uh, first turn of combat there. And then, uh, well, the brightest stars do burn the fastest. Uh, you managed to take out my Praetor with a demolition robot, which is kind of inglorious in a way to go, but I felt it was, it was well-deserved. To march his way over the entire battlefield, killing Night Titans, battling Primarchs, and then slipping on an RC car. It was a fitting yeah, way. Yeah, right? Because those are the RC cars from Call of Duty 4, are they not? I, th- I think we all agreed on that. 100%. Doesn't matter, you still got MVP. You, that yeah. That was amazing. Um... What I mean, that was that was a great show, and that really did steal the game. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to see all of that. Uh, David, what uh, what do you got, man? You got any highlights of the game? Yeah, just just quickly, uh, my uh, my my NPC Lord Colonel Vossen, who will actually come into play uh, in the the narrative part of uh, um, the uh, Heresy Grad School, I think that's coming up because I I, I stole this character from uh, the Black Book. Uh, so good yeah, segue. right, yeah, good good segue. Um, yeah, so I, I needed a uh, I needed a character that I thought had uh, the ability to continue on through these D forty three events, right? So 
I was playing Sons of Horus. I was playing an armored breakthrough list, which doesn't really lend itself to independent characters that would port over into subsequent events. So I said, look, I'm going to take my Legate Marshal. I'm going to make him Lord Colonel Vossen of the 1,522nd uh, Agathon, the survivors of the Agathon campaign. And uh, and he, he absolutely lived up to uh, his... Um, his potential. So uh, Stephen drop potted a squad of Gal Vorbach into the Castellum stronghold, uh, beating all odds, coming in and uh, murdered um, Rabio. I think it was your that, that that's what happened to your uh, Lord Marshal, right? Yes, that is yeah. exactly what happened to mine. I uh, not happy it happened, but it did. <laughs> Right. So this is uh so this was revenge for the the massacre of uh of of Robbie's commander. Um my Lord Marshal or sorry, Lord Colonel, um charges out of the Castleham stronghold with some um storm ventress and uh and just, just cuts down the leader of the Galvar Buck. Uh Paragon Blades are amazing. And uh yeah, that was it. That was the end. And uh I think we wrapped up shortly thereafter. Yeah, that was great, but then it also solidified uh, Stephen's uh, statement that the Dark Martyr is the the best uh, line captain equivalent model because you know after you killed him, we celebrated like we had just killed a Primarch. <laughs> no, yeah, you guys like, came over to me and you guys were like, "We got him, we got him," and I was right. like, "Oh, you guys, you guys must have got Jason's Warlord." And you're like, "No, man, we got a Dark Martyr." <laughs> We totally took him out. I was like, good. So, uh, Robbie and Jason, just as a heads up, doing little calculations here to make you feel better. Uh, the odds of rolling two double sixes in two rolls is one in 1,296. Well, there you go. Like so. I said, 10 out of 10 times, I would have made that same tactical choice. <laughs> and in one in 1,300 times... You'll have a dead knight on your hands. Which, you know, it, it, if this was a game, you know, that the Castigator, maybe, let's say it was his fifth game, I wouldn't have been upset. But this was day number one, hour <laughs> number one of owning this model. And I can only blame one person, and that is Stephen Campbell for painting it yep. to be a rocky model. <laughs> yep, we all agreed it was Stephen's fault. Nice hands job, down. Nice Way job. to go, Stephen. All right. But uh, so all in all, you guys all had fun then? Oh, yeah. 100%. Always yep. a good time with you yep. guys. And uh, I think it's always great. This is our second year we've done Sacred Santa, and our second year we've done Siege for Ice Moon with Central Klaus. And it's always a huge success. We always get like new players coming in. We always get um, crazy things like this to talk about for the next year. And oh, we yeah. finished it up. Just got an idea for Center Klaus. Uh, the navigator threw him into the warp. Next year, he's coming back with some taint. <laughs> some oh, nice, nice, very cool. Yeah, the center clause is actually. Um, I I built him. I did a little kit bash. He's a um. What are those little squ- sky dwarves called from Age of Sigmar? I think sky dwarves, right? Something like that. But uh, yeah, I was like, well, they look Orange like perfect fathers. squats. So. In an earlier event we had, I built him as 
a squat NPC, and we reused him this time as a old jolly Saint Sinner Claus. Yeah. It was nice. And he's a great looking model and people know that model and they're always like, God damn it, that guy's here again. He's just gonna mess <laughs> everybody's day up. Very cool. Anybody um, have anything else? Yeah, just uh we did we follow this up with um the horse heresy trivia. And this year we had Steven win. Um so congratulations, Steven, for being our lore master for twenty seventeen. He'll be hosting the lore master contest next year in twenty eighteen. Um, and then we had some great uh, Japanese steakhouse dinner, as is tradition now. So, yeah, it was all in all a great event. I think everybody had a blast, and I can't wait for next year. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And if anybody's ever interested in coming down to some of our events, you know, just reach out. The more the merrier. Um, you know, we have beautiful models, beautiful theme, beautiful scenery. It's always a good time. Never been let down. Yeah, definitely. Check us out on Facebook at Richmond30K. All right. Does anyone have anything else for this segment? I think that's it. Next, we got uh, Tooth and Claw with Jason. We're going to be doing Tooth and Claw Part 2 and finishing it up. Is that right, Jason? That is the plan. All right. We'll see you guys then. This week, this episode, in this segment, we're going to have horse... Fuck! (laughs) Horse fuck! (laughs) Horse Heresy Grad School, part two, Tooth and Claw with Jason. All right. All right, you need to leave all this in. But uh, yeah, Jason, (laughs) let's go, man. Let's hear it. All right, kids. We're back for another day of Horse Heresy Grad School to get you ready for the more in-depth exam at the end of the semester. Today, we're taking a look at the second half of Tooth and Claw out of Book 6, Retribution. Uh, We're starting out at page 109, for those of you following along at home. This details Autech Moore's assault on the World Eater's recruiting world of Bot. Last episode, we told you about how Autech Moore went through the Isfahan tragedy because he didn't get the memo from Ferris, he showed up late, and he'd been waging a guerrilla war on traitors in the system, completely opposite to uh, Shadrach Medusan's little shadow war going on. So Autech Moore has been raiding planets that have been recently conquered by the traitors to wipe them out when both the traitor fleets and the planets themselves are coming up pretty short. So Bot goes a little bit against his standard MO of attacking a recently conquered planet. This is a heavily fortified recruiting war world for the world eaters. Uh, They have a massive uncommitted legion reserve on the planet's surface on top of forces from the bonded Mechanicum, which are the uh, Tagmata Sarum that spend a lot of time with the world eaters throughout the Great Crusade, on top of some titans from Legio Audax. So, we've got more. Checking out this planet, Uh, he judges it as a necessity, even though it goes against his MO. It's this huge accumulation of war material, and Moore is assuming that the presence of the Sarum Mechanicum means there's something really juicy on that planet. Because they're not just going to show up for anything. These are like the prime magos of the Sarum Mechanicum. 
An interesting part of Bot's position in the galactic map, too, is it was near the Paramar Chondax line, which is where uh, loyalist, let's see, that would be loyalist iron warriors we've got down at Chondax with some white scars. Those are in a couple of other books that are pretty interesting. But this is pretty much on the front line of this giant wave of traitors that Horus is leading towards Terra. And one of my favorite things about this is they're very fragmentary records that only get worse as we go farther in here. But the very first ones record uh, some abortive astrotelepathic communications to the Red Talon fleet from a bunch of the Lord Generals of the these frontline worlds. And uh, they're abortive in that they're asking, apparently they're trying to order Autech Moore to turn around, come back to help out against this big wave of traitors coming in. And uh, if they actually do get through, Autech Moore doesn't listen to him. I mean, this is a guy of a history of not even listening to his Primarch. So much less some, you know, rando Lord Governor of a besieged world. So essentially at this point, Moore just like fakes one of those disconnects. Like he tells him he's going through a tunnel. Did we lose you? Sorry, disconnected there for a sec. No problem. Oh, so you went through a tunnel just like Autech Moore. That makes sense. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) So Moore shows up and he has a unique opportunity here. He's kind of running low on uh, some of his high-yield void ordnance. You know, he's been blowing a lot of trader planets into their component atoms, so he doesn't have a lot left in the stockpile. What he does have left, however, is just enough to uh, shunt Bot's moon just a fraction of a degree out of its normal, very uh, aggressive elliptical orbit and uh, start careening towards the upper atmosphere of Bot. Now, this is kind of a twofold result here. So the moon's set to strike the planet, and it's going to do a lot more damage than Moore ever could have achieved with just his void weapons alone. So he's got that going for him. But also, if you'll remember those feral gun clans we talked about uh, last episode, they see this as kind of like a crazy flame haloed moon coming in through the upper atmosphere. They see it as a crazy omen, and they kind of set on attacking each other. So they're really no more an operational asset. And I don't know if Moore knew that would happen, but it was kind of a happy accident on his part. So what Moore does after he jacks up this moon's orbit is to split his fleet into a dozen different task groups and start bombarding the hell out of orbital defenses that posed any real threat to this incoming drop pod assault. Now, this doesn't do a whole lot besides blow away uh, anything to threaten the incoming drop pod force because this world is crewed by a bunch of angry world eaters in Sarum Tagmata. They don't just uh, faint at the first sign of an incoming orbital bombardment, you know? So uh, they can only, of course, do so much from uh, the void as there are plenty of underground complexes, most of the main bunker complexes are protected by void shields. And inside, uh, I love how they break this down hour by hour about what's going on, because they've only got a few hours until the moon takes out the entire planet. So inside of the third hour is when Moore starts dropping his uh, forces onto the planet. And 
and makes special mention of the fact that even though uh, there's still anti-drop pod defenses taking a pretty large toll on about uh, 5,000 or so iron hands dropping in, most of these are from Clan Morrigal, and they're uh, veterans from Istvan Five. So, you know, massive casualties are not a real big deal to them. It's just another uh, day in the Legion, you know? So, he's got a three-pronged assault going on here. The first one is a suborbital strike ring of Thunder... Uh, we've got Xiphons, Fire Raptors, and Storm Eagles that reduce the main bastion of Tredecimia. Uh, that's the main city of Bot into just rubble. We've got a second pair of suborbital strike forces uh, made up of those same fighters along with some Thunderhawk insertion teams. Now, this is where the Imperial Fists he'd started to pick up along the way come into play. Because between these two Thunderhawk insertion teams of Iron Hands and Imperial Fists, they're uh, taking out this uh, the primary command bunkers in this complex in the mountains. And they're essentially, uh, the Iron Hands and the Imperial Fists are racing each other to figure out who can breach the primary command bunker first. Now, let the record show that it was actually the Imperial Fists that uh, beat the Iron Hands there, despite only having uh, less than 800 Astartes to the Iron Hands 5,000 or so. And lastly, Sounds like uh, fake news to me, but go ahead. Yeah, so Jared would be very excited to hear that, I'm sure. So, lastly, we've got this southern assault. Uh, it's actually not going so hot here. Uh, this is the first time these new world leaders inductees start rolling out. Uh, Iron Hands are having a little bit of trouble with them until they are valiantly saved by uh, some Imperial Fist reinforcements. So that's uh, they're going 0 for 2 so far. It's not that great. But uh, we've also got uh, Dave, your uh, Agathon Solar Auxilia. They're deployed in a blocking line. Uh, pretty much they've identified a single Mechanicum facility. They don't know what's in there, but it's probably going to be some crazy warp tech machines. And uh, even with super heavy tank companies from the Solar Auxilia, uh, as soon as they set up, they are immediately under assault from these uh, wacky new dark mechanicum machines that have been concealed in underground bunker complexes. Uh, they're reported as difficult to destroy at range as they have this new shielding technology. seems to be even more effective than that of Imperial Contemptor Dreadnoughts. So... Uh, Essentially, just like everywhere else in the heresy, you've got the mortals holding the line against horrible traitor forces in order to cover Astartes' asses. It's pretty good stuff. But, uh, so, here we've got the macro silos in the northwest quadrant, and these are Autech Moore's prime objective. This is the entire reason he's here on the planet. And this is where he drops his, uh, company of mastodons and mauler battle tanks uh, dropping into the east of the silos and uh, draw out the world eater defenders as they are uh, kind of known to do charging out from defensive locations to get into combat and uh, unfortunately while they do know there's some legio audax titans somewhere north of the macro silos they don't have a really good idea of where they are or how many they are at the moment so, 
Altec Moore himself drops down with the hardest-ass veterans of Clan Morgul. These are his veteran Terminators. They're Istvan veterans, and every one of them is, you know, a veteran of dozens of campaigns. And the first thing they run into are Vorax uh, that they have never really encountered before, but these wacky bug automata start dropping in from the ceilings. It's like a, uh, it's like a version of uh, Aliens. It's good stuff. Just, oh yeah, that scene where Hicks is yelling, they're coming out of the goddamn walls. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine that, but with fifteen foot tall cyber automata. So yeah, and those creepy bug eggs already get me. So yeah, tell me about it, man. So Autech Moore and his cadre of veterans get to the interior of these macro silos. They chain fist open the inner blast doors. And Autech Moore orders all of his veterans to hold the line where, while he goes by himself into the depths of the macro silos. And when Autech Moore is down there, he's out of communication, and this is when the biggest traitor counterattack comes. We've got these new World Eater inductee coming out in force. Uh, we've got the northernmost unit of Iron Hands forces assaulted by uh, something they've never seen before, uh, Red Butcher Terminators. Uh, these guys, they're not even necessarily traitors, but most of them are veterans of Istvan III that just have so much accumulated PTSD from murdering their closest buddies and maybe getting even run through by Angron that they'll just fight anybody at this point. And uh, it actually it doesn't go so hot for the Iron Hands again. Uh said they're only really... Uh, finally pushed back by turning this company of mastodons and their uh, bunker leveling weaponry into ongoing combats and just annihilating everybody uh red butchers and iron hands both so going into the sixth hour pretty much all the traitor forces know the deal is up by then the newman gun clans are starting to come back in they figure if this is a crazy omen in the sky they're gonna go out fighting same with the world eaters. They both go berserk and they kind of abandon what little tactical planning they had in the first place. Uh, Autech Moore is taking his sweet-ass time down in the macro silos, and even the loyalist forces are starting to kind of resign themselves that Autech Moore is out of communication. We don't know what to do. Uh, we may have a moon dropped on us, just like the traitors. And into the seventh hour, it starts going even more south because these Legio Audax Titans finally show up. They essentially blow through the uh, northern interdiction forces of Iron Hands and Imperial Fists just to get as close to the macro silos as they can. And uh, even though uh, these Terminator veterans from Clan Morgul are pretty hard-ass, you can only do so much against a Titan with a chain fist. So in this uh, 11th-slash-7th hour, Atek Moore finally comes back out He's, uh, his armor's all beaten to shit. His Paragon Blade is nicked to hell. His Volkite Charger is pretty much overloaded. But uh, it says his eyes are alight with dark fire, and he's super excited. Because he's uh, the thing he comes back out with, all it is is a stasis casket. One thing for that entire you know little trip under the macro silos there into that uh, stockpile of traitor... Uh, dark age technology but it's a stasis casket covered in seals from the emperor's own terran gene crafters 
So these are the guys, they're the innermost order of the emperor's personal like gene technicians. These are the same guys that helped him craft the Primarchs and the original Legiones Astartes when he was getting those guys rolling. So Atek Moore comes back out with that business. He sees everything going to shit and just orders the command to withdraw. So you've got Imperial forces withdrawing across the world, hopping back out, going the way they came. Uh, the World Eaters and the Gun Clan guys that are still left, uh, they're kind of still all sassed up from fighting. So they start falling on each other, uh, even as this moon is dropping through the atmosphere. And pretty much it sets the entire world on fire. It is uh, described as a flaming tsunami of debris rushing across the planet. And that is possibly the most metal thing you're going to find in Book 6 Retribution. Atek Moore uh, jetting off into space as a flaming tsunami of debris chase him into the upper atmosphere. That is an amazing tale. I think this... It's it's just crazy. Like, did this stuff happen everywhere? Or is this just like one specific event that they're talking about? Because, I mean, we hear about the drop site massacre and that kind of stuff. We hear about Istvan 3, but we never hear about like all those small skirmishes. I think this is one of the best skirmishes that are reported um, in the Black Books, in my opinion. Absolutely, man. This one, Atek Moore is, if I had to pick a favorite loyalist, he would probably be it. Because he is definitely the, uh, what'd you call him, the baddest good guy? Yeah. Like, he's a good guy, right? Just for the fact he's not a traitor. But he is totally willing to kill entire planets to accomplish the mission. And he put his entire force at risk, had his own uh, bodyguard veteran unit trying to fight off Warhound Titan so he could grab this stasis casket. So we don't know what's in the casket, right? That's kind of the mystery of it, of yeah. course. Um, but we do know that some of the Iron Hands uh, are made aware of the Keys of Hell, which are forbidden technologies laid down by Ferris Man as said as necro, um, or I'm sorry, cyber necromancy. So that is my theory, is that this has got something to do with cyber necromancy. Well, my theory, if you check out Atek Moore, he's a Terran veteran who was fighting in the Legion even before Ferris Manus came back. And if you check out his profile a little later in the book, interestingly enough, Atek Moore is not your average Astartes. Uh, he's actually Strength and Toughness 5 which I found kind of interesting. That is cool. So my running theory, nobody knows where this guy comes from. He's cranky. He doesn't even like taking orders from Ferris. I think he's a Thunder Warrior. I think that is a running theory, is that he's either a Thunder Warrior or a failed custodian is another one I've heard. Ah, failed custodian. That's a good one. Hey, what do you guys think about the the idea that this sets up the the narrative material for bringing in relics of the dark age of technology into the game. Does it though? I thought the relics came in book four. Yeah, and, and were they all listed specifically by name, or were they uh, were they just kind of a a generic? You know, hey, here's some crazy. No, they all had like each legion had their own, and they all yeah. had their own. Um, you know, 
I guess, profiles of Letramine. Okay. But in book six, I think, well, along with the character, wait, no, book four has got character progression, I think. But that's also got the campaign that has its own like special relics that are on top of what you pay for from a list. But yeah, it is interesting, right? It does feel like it's going to lead up to something more, either in another black book years from now, or maybe in a black library book, you know? Or it may just be one of those open-ended Easter eggs that Forge yeah. World loves to toss out and never follow up on again. Yeah, and they might mention it offhandedly in another place like, oh yeah, remember that? Wink, wink. We remember too. We're not going to tell you, but we remember. Yeah, man, it is so good. Um, what's what's going to be next? Uh, next shows? What are we doing for that one? So next time, I thought we could get into a little bit of the lore behind the Thousand Suns. Yeah, I like it. They did nothing wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Not a damn thing. They're called the Thousand Suns because there's only a thousand of them, right? Absolutely not. That's a dumb rumor. I'm pretty sure that's legit. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think that was a good lesson for the uh, week. Thank you very much for finishing that for us. Always glad to help. All right. Well, thank you, Jason, for all that information. It was pretty awesome. Good stuff Always. to listen to. The whole thing with the black books, the, with the black books, there's just so much written in there that, yeah, you know, me personally, got- sadly, I overlook a lot of it. I like to look at the shiny pictures and things like that. I never <laughs> yeah. go in, but there's so much lore and stuff. And so thank you for shedding a little light on some of it. Yeah, always happy to educate. Speaking of those pictures, though. Tell me that Forge World does not go over the top when they do these like setting pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they always look so fantastic. All right. And with that, I'm Jesse. I'm William. I've been Jason. That's Robbie. Dave. And have a great weekend. Happy holidays. And see you again next time. For news and pictures, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Remembrancers Retreat. For information on upcoming events with our local gaming group, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Richmond30K. 